0: Hello, welcome to Not the BBC. So, as you know, there's a war on cash going on. And when you combine that with the emergence of central bank digital currencies, you realize what a tight spot we're in with regard to financial freedom. The government's going to be able to know exactly what money you're spending, how much you're sending to person X. It's going to be able to control what you do. It's going to be able to control where you spend it. It's going to know exactly how much money you have. And that is, you know, the walls are really closing in. Now, as a reaction to this, a lot of people are looking to the crypto space. Now, the issue with that is that, you know, most prominent cryptos like Bitcoin and Ethereum, well, they're very powerful in many ways, but privacy is not their strong suit. They're, They're on public ledgers. Every single transaction is logged and available for anyone to see. So you're really kind of transacting out in the open. And so, yeah, in terms of a subversive movement, in terms of kind of escaping these tight, controls over our financial lives, they have something, you know, they leave something to be desired. So I want to bring on someone to speak about Haven Protocol, which is one of the most interesting projects in crypto and really something that I think adheres to the true spirit of crypto and, and financial freedom. And so I bring on Hawk, who's an anonymous member of the community, to talk a little bit about uh, privacy, a little bit about the limitations of Bitcoin where privacy is concerned, and to tell us a bit about Haven. Which is, built, which is a project that's built upon Monero, which is sort of the state-of-the-art privacy blockchain, but has some really powerful extra features that just enables you to, in complete privacy, store, you know, peg your wealth to different assets. It might be to gold, it might be to Bitcoin, it might be to the dollar, to the pound, to the Japanese yen. So it really enables a completely parallel financial system where you can transact You can send money, you can store wealth in a completely private and um, anonymous way, which is in terms of where, you know, if you look at the macro landscape of where things are going is something that is immensely powerful. So it's a really powerful project and I want to do my bit to, you know, to bring people into the conversation. You know, as a disclaimer, I do hold some haven, but, you know, I wouldn't, you've seen this channel, I, I don't really talk about commercial stuff. And I wouldn't bring Haven on someone from Haven on if I didn't really think the project is worth you knowing about. So anyway, I think I will just I'll stop rattling on now and let's just crack on with the conversation because it's it's an important one. A hey, Hawk, welcome to Not the BBC. Great, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Really excited to speak to you about Haven. It's a super interesting project. Um, kind of before we kick off and get into all that, I'd love to understand a little bit more about your journey and what kind of interested you in, let's say the the crypto space more broadly or however it is that you, def- you define the space you're in. Because I know obviously it's quite tribal and Bitcoin maximalists would kind of deny the existence of anything called a crypto space <laughs> or whatever. So just kind of, sure. how, yeah, just in your own words, like how do you kind of you know chart your journey and, and the kind of space that you, you're working in now?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my personal journey started back in, uh, it around 2016 or so, just becoming aware of the crypto space as an investor, as somebody that was interested in, in, a, in a new asset class that was doing some really cool things and um, going bonkers in terms of an investment, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I, the first thing I invested in was Bitcoin. Um, the first money I, I put into the market was in Bitcoin and uh, quickly became interested in crypto as not just a, an asset class, um, but as a, a, a different system of money. And I think I went down the rabbit hole pretty quickly um, and learned a lot about some of the other cryptos in the space. But obviously, you know, Bitcoin was a gold standard in um, a new way of looking at money and, and who controls money and how it's used. And um, that's what got me interested in crypto. And that's what kept me there um you come from a um, and,
0: technology background was your uh no no or... i no i i didn't
1: i mean i i came from uh i i'm in the us and i came from a background in government and politics to be honest mm-hmm. um and something that i had grown pretty sick of at that point and i'm even more sick of it now <laughs>
0: um so, so when you go down that when you go down that bitcoin rabbit hole is this kind of shattering some illusions you had about the way the world worked or did you always kind of have a sort of uh, did you always kind of have a feel for the way that money might have been corrupt or the way that kind of things don't always operate as well as the kind of average person likes to think
1: i think i probably had a sense of it um but i think going down the bitcoin rabbit hole sort of confirmed a lot of the suspicions that that i had Mm. and and i think that you know what really changed things for me was after you know a year or two of um, diving into crypto, of investing, of making some money, of figuring out what I wanted to do with um, the investments I had in crypto, the first thing that became really obvious to me was sort of the overwhelming transparency in crypto mm-hmm. and sort of the, the, the lack of built in privacy in really any project. And that's what got me interested in, in Monero, which was the next sort of step that I took, which was all right, I have some investments in the crypto space. I have a portfolio that I've built up. I've done some trading, you know, I'm a retail trader. Um, But every transaction I've ever made is Mm. entirely public and transparent. And I think once that light bulb kind of went off, um, it was a little terrifying. It was like, okay, I've got a, sure, I've got got a bank account and it's controlled by somebody else, but at least for the most part, the only people that can see that account are, are me and the bank. Um, I'd rather it just be me, but I've made that trade-off and, and when I, you know, invested in crypto, I realized, okay, no, literally all of this is accessible to anybody that wants to go see and knows my address essentially. Yeah. Um, and so that's what got me into Monero and that's what got me thinking about what options exist as a way to protect my privacy in the space.
0: And so when you're so to the first point about you kind of being interested in bitcoin in bitcoin was that was that you know question of sound you know the sound money thesis basically and and kind of um, you know currency debasement and how that's harmful to society so is that kind of the is that the, why you're finding bitcoin interesting at that point yeah that was that was part basement? of it and
1: yeah and the the sort of the changing nature of, of fiat around the world not just in the us but but everywhere and what and sort of setting myself up for what do I want my investment to look like in 10, 20, 50 years um, and taking a long view of, you know, what money is going to look like uh, when I'm a lot older. Mm. And I think that's what was really attractive to Bitcoin is, is the soundness of Bitcoin as a currency. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still still believe that. And I think the, the challenge was that, you know, you have this, this revolutionary change in, in Bitcoin. Um, but it also came with some trade-offs and those trade-offs uh, were really sort of the, the nature of Bitcoin being public and traceable um, was a, a question mark for me. And the, the so the next phase for me was looking at how crypto evolved as a space. And we, you know, we we turned, you know, a, a huge segment of crypto into stable coins um, and a stable coin market being, you know, well over a hundred billion dollars now. Um, and I, And I looked at that and had the same sort of terror. Okay. Every single stable out there is also entirely public and traceable and very easy for anybody to look at, whether it be somebody else that knows me or uh, a, a government or an authority of some kind. And that's what got me interested in Haven because Haven is sort of a, a, the perfect solution to those problems that I began to see after I sort of went down the rabbit hole.
0: Yeah. And how, so how would you describe the, in terms of the, the kind of lack of privacy on bitcoin it's it's definitely a concern that i think a lot of people in my audience are very aware of and i think a lot of people they, they struggle to to even go get past that right they kind of see the surveillance yeah. um kind of capabilities that it has and they're kind of a bit concerned about where things are going generally and i think for that a lot of people like that's kind of crypto done for them or that's bitcoin done <laughs> yeah they're, sure they're so concerned I mean, is it is it somewhat overplayed the, the privacy concerns or because, you know, some Bitcoiners, for example, they say that, you know, when you have when it really reaches scale and you have tons of transactions and and the rest of it, that it won't be quite as bad. Others are expecting um, kind of an ecosystem and kind of layer two solutions to be built around it. Um, right. How do you kind of view how do yeah how do you kind of view that and the kind of scope for Bitcoin? kind of the biggest solution within the kind of paradigm of, you know, Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't think the concerns about Bitcoin's privacy are, are, are overblown. I, I certainly think they're very real. And I think that anybody that gets into crypto with an eye towards staying anonymous or, you know, maintaining privacy is going to find Bitcoin lacking in all of, the, of those areas. And I think all the the layer two solutions on top of Bitcoin and, uh, and on top of Ethereum potentially that, um, have been developed deployed talked about theorized um they're all interesting, but they at the end of the day none of them offer layer one privacy mm. but I think the the good news is that you know since well since I first got interested in crypto until now um, there have been some really incredible layer one privacy solutions that have been deployed, and Monero is the best one, Was the best um, one. Th- is the most sound um, I think is has the most complete set of uh, of solutions at the base layer to protect privacy of any other crypto. Um, it doesn't make it the easiest crypto to use, or you know, ha- have you know the slickest UI, or mm. um, you know, the most accessible on an exchange. But I think as a technology, as an innovation, it offers um, the most comprehensive layer one solution, and and that really um, that's what changed it for me. It's like okay, you have um, Bitcoin as new sound money that the world needs. And alongside of it, you have another layer one crypto that for, for the people that care about protecting their privacy um, offers a really comprehensive solution. And both of those things need to exist mm. together um, moving forward.
0: Well, I mean, it seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, the thing about the Bitcoin community is that, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's huge, but you do get mm-hmm. some extremely, smart people there as well right so i've, I've always thought they were absolutely kind of they were worth and and they but smart and not and and not naive either like smart way sure. worldwide and you know certainly compared to other areas of the crypto community where they you know they're out they're, they'll say out and out you know without shame that they're not particularly interested in the more philosophical political implications of the money or you know or the space sure. they're interested in like the technology and the interest obviously kind of underneath it all in the speculation but you know definitely the kind of bitcoin crowd are um are you know very world and stuff like that. so i've always thought they're worth listening to but just that yeah the notion that it's that you would just kind of put all your eggs in that basket has always seemed um and this sort of lack of interest i think perhaps are, are they reacting yeah. they're reacting to A bunch of stuff that's happened in previous years right when they're just very like how would you kind of view? because i'd imagine a lot of them when you try and bring up even something like haven with them or or monero are they are they somewhat dismissive people like that what kind of if you go to sort of like the hardcore bitcoiners what sort of you know reactions do you get
1: sure i mean i think it depends who you talk to i think there's you know maximalists in 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 every community and every project that sort of have blinders on to maybe some of the bigger problems that, that crypto is aiming to solve. Um, but I've actually found, um, I mean, especially over the last couple of years, that there, there's fewer and fewer maximalists in the, in the Bitcoin community. And I mean, they'll, they'll always be there. But I think there's fewer and I think there's more people that are interested in the long term solutions that that crypto can provide. And I, I think it's a really good development. I think people look at this space as something bigger than Oh, we've created Bitcoin and we've washed our hands and we're done. We've solved a problem, right? Bitcoin solves a ton of problems and it is an incredibly important tool for a lot of people around the world that didn't have access to money that was controlled by them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's also a lot of people that have gotten into the space that say, Hey, Bitcoin solved a problem, but also gave us the blueprint for solving a bunch of other problems that Bitcoin itself doesn't actually solve. And privacy is, is one of them. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about sort of how people are approaching crypto right now. And I think that's the, that's the, the really interesting part about another layer one crypto like Monero or like Haven. Um, it, it's a tool that's going to be there for people that need it, regardless of their reason, right? If, yeah. It could be because you're a trader and you want to protect your gains from volatility and maintain your privacy. Great. It could be because you're somebody with an incredible amount of wealth that doesn't want to become a target. Um, great. It's a solution for you. It could be because you live in a country where, you know, crypto is, is illegal or is targeted. Uh, great. This is a solution for you. Or it could be because you're in a place where the government's targeting you because of how you earned your income. Yeah. Like I, it doesn't matter the reason that you have come to this space. Um, that, you know, the, the really interesting part for me is that this space is providing a solution for all those kinds of people. Um, and I yeah. think that's a, that's changed since uh, sort of the, the, the first sort of phase of Bitcoin maximalism. Yeah, I think exactly. it's a lot different now in a, in, a, in a positive way.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, regardless of your perspective on technology or on, on crypto, on central banking or the rest of it, I think, yeah, something like, you know, in terms of what Haven and Monero are trying to achieve, you know, that spirit of privacy and that spirit of like cash. I mean, a lot of people who aren't interested in technology there, uh, but who are concerned about, let's say, kind of, you know, totalitarianism and, you know, political government overreach and stuff, they are kind of sure. are preferring to think about returning to cash. So it's something that everyone, I think, takes seriously. So that helps. That definitely helps. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious to get your take on um, on the crypto space at large. Because, um, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, I think the kind of haven community are some of the more, more thoughtful people in the, in the crypto space. So do you think if you kind of look beyond, you, you've mentioned Bitcoin, when you kind of look at all these, decentralized finance apps that are built around ethereum yep. and you look at the you know the nft stuff what do you what's your take on that and do you think it's um, yeah. subversive do you think it's a ponzi do you think it has utility <laughs> yeah. um yeah. yeah well i think
1: there's plenty of ponzi's out there that's for sure and they've probably only grown in number over the last few years i i think there's um i think there's two different types of of, of, of projects of uh coins of communities out there and they and they both serve their own purposes. I just, there's one that I just don't, I'm not interested in. There's one, you know, one crowd that is really just interested in number go up. Mm-hmm. And and if you can make a project that attracts to the masses and um, it, it has, has a meme that goes along with it and can make you a bunch of money, fine. That's great. Um, I think those projects are going to be fleeting. I think they're going to disappear. A lot of them have already disappeared. And they're, they're interesting insofar as you can go make money off of them. And then if that's your purpose, if that's your goal, uh, you know, more power to you. That's fine. But I think the more interesting things in crypto are um, the actual technological innovations that people are building. And there are a bunch of those in the DeFi space. There's a bunch of those that are, that are being built on top of Ethereum. I think Monero is the best example of, of a privacy innovation that took yeah. a a big community and a bunch of really incredibly smart developers uh, many years to sort of perfect and refine. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I'm so you know, committed to Haven because yeah. it, it's really a community and a group of people that have built something, developed something um, that I couldn't develop on my own that I don't think one or two people could have developed on their own. And have made it into something that is really unique and valuable as an innovation, right? A private stable coin on top of Monero that's algorithmic and decentralized um, is a is a really interesting innovation that should be a useful tool for people for a really long time. It's not a fleeting trend. It's not an NFT. It's not a meme coin. Uh, it's yeah. something that provides real value to people. And that's why I that that's why I'm interested in it
0: yeah so to to dig into the privacy a bit more um so i guess first off you so you these layer two solutions i mean i've I've heard people mention taproot around bitcoin sure uh, yep. people talking about which is i believe coming out soon people talking about lightning network transactions being yep. private i guess you you expect that privacy can be do you expect that privacy can be somewhat improved within um the bitcoin network uh um, yes. Yeah. so that's the expectation and then but then you talk about the importance of kind of privacy on the layer one um on the layer one level for someone that's not like particularly technology technologically savvy could you talk about like an implication of not having privacy on the sure yeah and, yeah the kind of ground layer
1: yeah and 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 just just you know first things first i, I think it's awesome that there's a lot of people in the bitcoin community and other communities in ethereum as well in the DeFi space that are looking at sort of these bolt-on, add-on privacy solutions that Mm. allow you to opt into privacy after you've been, you know, on a public chain like like Bitcoin or Ethereum. That's awesome. We we need to move towards more privacy solutions and the more the merrier, I think. I think the difference is um, when you have layer two solutions that are essentially opt-in, you can either turn your privacy on or off, use it or don't use it. Um, You create a real obvious opening. For anybody that's interested in trying to to track your transactions or your addresses or your history, you give them an opening, essentially. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of sophisticated firms, people, companies, governments out there um, that can take advantage of the fact that a a, a blockchain added privacy on later um, to essentially negate some of those privacy tools down the road. And it doesn't mean that they're not useful or that they can't help you. But really, the only way to guarantee that nobody can ever find your address, nobody can ever see your balance, is to use a crypto that has default privacy at, at, at the base layer. Yeah. Um, and that's the strongest way to protect your information. And I think it, n- nothing's guaranteed in this world, but provides you know, a much higher probability that you're going to be able to maintain your privacy and your anonymity um, moving forward.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, so essentially I guess there's less leaks and there's, exactly. there's no back doors. So it's just a much more complete solution. And yeah. And I think
1: a yeah. good example is even some of the mixing services, right? And you, you have this in, in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, those are really great tools that um, they are not perfect mm. and sophisticated actors can, um, uh, can break them. Um, and can use them to identify specific transactions and addresses and balances that can eventually be associated back to you. And it's hard, it's not easy. Uh, and, and the mixing those mixing services do provide a really important service, um, but I don't think they provide the kind of, um, you know, sort of ironclad layer one protections that something like Monero or, or Haven does.
0: Yeah, so let's jump on to, to Monero because I think it makes a good segue to then kind of talk about about Haven so Monero yeah. so it in terms of the I mean obviously we we, we don't want to get too technical because I think um, it will go over a fair few people's heads but, <laughs> yeah uh, but I guess so there was a cryptographic solution that it developed which is just like which is state-of-the-art which is kind of as good as has been developed in like how would you describe the feat that um, you know achieved by Monero
1: well what, what they essentially did was they created a, a blockchain that uh, was able to hide every address and every transaction as it went through the blockchain. And, and if you if you go to Git Monero, their their sort of the explainer site, you can read a lot about the sort of technical side of it. But the the, the short version is they have what, what are called stealth addresses. So when you send something, so for example, when you send something on Bitcoin, you can go to a Bitcoin explorer and see the transactions that go in and out of every address. And if you have somebody's address, somebody sent you Bitcoin, and you know the address that they sent it from, you can go look up their address in two seconds and see every transaction they've ever made. Exactly. With Monero, with Monero, you don't ever see somebody else's address unless they give you a, a view key or they give you something to verify it. Um, you can't look it up. There's not if you if you go to the Monero Explorer um, and you try and enter an address, they have a they have a funny little pop up that says, "Hey, it, you're not going to find one. Uh, you're not going to see." an address, you're not going to be able to track every transaction from an address. And as a result, everything that's in your Monero wallet or in your Haven wallet um, can't be identified by somebody else based on your address. So private addresses, your balance is private, your transactions are private, and that's done from the start in a layer one way. And it hasn't been cracked. There's been a lot of people that have tried really hard um, to sort of solve Monero. And I think one of the things that the Monero community has done an exceptional job at is staying ahead of sort of some of those attempts to crack it and break it. And they're always innovating and developing new ways to, to protect that that layer one base protection of private addresses and balances. And they've stayed ahead of it in a really comprehensive way. So it it, it is a different way of transacting. And um, I think it, it if anybody hasn't tried it before, I think you'll you'll see that it's easier than you might think. And once you go down that rabbit hole, I think people that care about privacy will really find a ton of value in in what Monero has built and and certainly what we think, what Haven has built on, on top of Monero.
0: Yeah, so in terms of the, in terms of Monero, so the security was, you know, quite a feat. It's kind of amazing to consider that no one's cracked it, you know, over the, the few years. Yeah, it's, been it's not for a lack of trying too. Yeah, I, sure. can, I can imagine. Um, and. Did it make any kind of significant trade-offs? Obviously, Haven tackles a stable, um, you know, stable value aspect of it, which we can um, we can get to in a bit. But in terms of any yep. other trade-offs are, are, are noteworthy, in terms of kind of the general your general conception beyond privacy of, of um, you know, Monero as a I guess as a coin and as a as a crypt- well, cryptocurrency and as a blockchain. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think the biggest privacy for for Monero in the market is. You know this immediate suspicion by everybody that if you use Monero or Haven, that you must be using it for some nefarious purpose, and and that's probably the, the core reason that you know Monero is not listed on Coinbase, and it's not listed there for a reason, right? Um, Coinbase doesn't want to take the risk that uh, you know the, the the perception that Monero users or Haven users are, are using it for illicit purposes, and like that that is a trade off in 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 terms of perception in terms of acceptance um, by the by the broader, you know, centralized crypto space. But I think at the end of the day, like that, that's, that's a trade off that's absolutely worth having, like, the vast majority of people that use crypto and and use Monero and use Haven are using it because they don't want prying eyes on into their money. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's something that I think everybody should care about. So I think the trade off is fine. I, I don't really care what people think about you know, the inherent qualities of a Haven or Monero user. Um, it, it does present some challenges getting, you know, listed, for example, on centralized exchanges or um, getting accepted into in, into the broader crypto space. But that's something that, you know, is less of a problem. I think the solutions that Monero and Haven provide are a lot more important than how it's perceived or um, sort of how the, the centralized exchanges in the crypto space um, view it. I think that's a trade-off that's worth having,
0: so yeah um and in terms of like the speed of transactions and and kind of the use like use of the you know use of blockchain spending sending money having yeah. this having this very kind of um you know deeply embedded privacy has that does that kind of slow it down at all does, does that lead to any? not really amount? i mean it, it it's it basically functions or i mean uh, in the same
1: way that bitcoin does and that you have to have the transaction confirmed by the network and and for Haven and Monero, it's it's usually um, you've got to wait for 10 blocks or around 20 minutes. It can, it can vary a little bit from there. Um, and in some ways, I think it's it, it can be certainly more efficient than something like Ethereum where you have to guess how much money you're going to pay um, to send a transaction. And sometimes if you're buying $1,000 of Ethereum, you might be paying $300 in fees, which is absurd, right? Yeah. So the fees are, are, are really low and are consistent um, and I think that the, the actual use of the network sending, receiving uh, transactions is, is predictable and um, you know, I, I, I like, there's a lot of other crypto projects that focus on speed yeah. and I like some of those projects. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think to, you know, to protect privacy, the, the, the structure that Monero and Haven have is as good as it gets and waiting 20 minutes for a transaction is 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 you know a fine trade off for making sure that nobody can see who you're sending it to or how much you're
0: sending. Mm, okay, interesting. So so yeah, so people so you you come into the bitcoin space, you start you go down the rabbit hole, you start realizing uh, how great it is but at the same time kind of the surveillance capabilities. So, you know, then a lot of people obviously realize this Monero springs up, deve- you know, develops a, an extremely powerful solution why yep. does haven then come to exist can you talk a little bit about the genesis yeah. um i guess yeah, like sure. but also perhaps more just like in terms of you know who did it and and how it kind of kind of, kind of came about yeah sure so i mean the,
1: the the first practical reason is that the one thing that that bitcoin and monero have in common is that they're wildly volatile just like everything else in crypto right um and even now when it's a, a really mature space um you know right having swings of 5 10 15 20 percent over a day or a week or a month is just not unusual. And I think for a lot of people that have invested in the crypto space um, that want to you know, protect those gains in a way that's stable, um, those layer one solutions don't offer protection from volatility at all, which is why you know, the stablecoin market sort of uh, w- was created and why Tether was created and, and USDC and all these stablecoins that allow you to opt out of the volatility. And the, I mean, the light bulb moment for me and the reason that that Haven was started was um, there is not a way to both opt out of volatility and opt out of surveillance. There's not a way to protect your privacy and also protect your, your, your gains, whether you want to protect it in dollars or you want to protect it in uh, some other fiat currency or in gold or something else. Um, there just wasn't a way to do that. And that was the light bulb moment, right? How do you create a truly, Private Layer One stablecoin. Um, that's why I got involved in it. That was the idea, and it turned out, um, you know, the guys that started the project and that were, were passionate about the idea realized pretty quickly that it was pretty hard to execute as as a as a as a, as a technology, as a you know, to develop it. Um, and it fits and starts over the first year or so, and they kind of gave up, and the project almost died. But the community sort of came together and said, "Hey, no, this this idea is important enough." solving these problems right the volatility of bitcoin and monero the the public nature of every other crypto um let's figure it out and that's what's
0: happened over the last
1: um year and a half two years so that's Uh,
0: so so that's pretty amazing so the the original kind of developers gave up on it but it built such a passion but it built a passion such a passionate community around it they just like took it up and and yeah yeah
1: it almost died. It was right on the edge, um, yeah. but we have some really, really cool leaders in our community and our and our project lead who, um, I think, had the the technological background to go actually solve the the development problem, which is how do you how do you build a code base on top of Monero that can do this sort of it's a mint and burn algorithmic stablecoin, not easy to implement, um, and it took a lot longer than I think everybody thought it would, but it was worth doing. It was worth taken that time and I'm really happy that everybody did because the result is that we have, we've achieved that goal that we set out to make. And I think it's something really valuable for people that care about privacy in this space.
0: Yeah. I mean, just, you know, if you're just kind of starting from that point in terms of you talking about the two reasons why Haven exists, you know, exists in terms of, you know, a, you care about privacy and B volatility. I mean, those are probably the two most common, Kind of critiques you hear about bitcoin or the crypto space in general yep but, absolutely you know, definitely it's something that i think pretty much everyone everyone should be should be aligned about you know should be aligned on um, and so yeah. i guess then the question comes about I, I suppose, sp- yeah i suppose the question then comes down to sort of execution and, and the rest of it so yeah do you yeah. kind of want to talk a little bit about um i guess how how haven works and and what it um and what it offers people sure yeah so
1: I mean the, the simplest way to describe it is, is that it is a it's a private stablecoin ecosystem and it essentially allows you entirely from a wallet a vault that you control um, to go in and out of stablecoins in a totally private way without having to interact with any other of the usual crypto middlemen you know you don't have to interact with an exchange you don't have to intera- interact with some other third party um, and you can control it all from your own wallet, which is the, the, the appeal. And I mean, I think the best way to, to describe, you know, how you could use it is maybe just give you kind of a basic example, if that'd be helpful, yeah, sure. um, of how sort of a, a, a stable coin works. Right. Um, so uh, let's say that you have $2,000 that, that you want to actually store privately. Maybe you made $2,000 from an NFT or you have $2,000 from somewhere else that, you just want to make private. Um, that's really what the, the users that we're trying to attract. And uh, it's less about, you know, what's the price of Haven and how much money can I make off of Haven? It's more, I have some amount of money or wealth that I want to actually store in a private, stable way. Yeah. Um, so you take that $2,000, you buy Haven, XHV is the ticker. Um, and if the the current value of Haven was is $10, um, you'll get 200 XHV. And then it's it's pretty simple from there. You, you put that in your wallet. You have 200 XHV. Um, and then the protocol burns that XHV in, by, by making a special transaction. And it, it spits out 2,000 XUSD, which is the, the ticker for the, the USD stablecoin. So now you've moved $2,000 in fiat into 2,000 XUSD, which is a, a private stablecoin. And that haven is burned from the chain. And you store it in your wallet. You can send it to people. You can transfer it. Um, and you have converted Fiat into a truly private stable coin. And the next part is if you ever want to go back to Fiat, um, you can burn that XUSD for Haven and, uh, you're going to get a different amount of XHV depending on what the market price of, of, of Haven has done since the, the time you did the first transaction. So the, the supply of XHV fluctuates, uh, up and down based on the minting and burning of XUSD. Um, but your XUSD in your wallet is always backed by um, the, the XHV that's circulating in the market. Um, and that's sort of how an algorithmic stablecoin works. It's not like Tether where, in theory, there's a big you know, reserve that's used to back your, sta- your stablecoin. Um, and it, it is done purely by the protocol, purely by the algorithm and entirely by you in your vault um, controlled by you, which is the, the selling point for me. I think it's, you don't have to rely on anybody else to do the transaction. Uh, the, the decentralized network uh, confirms it. You don't have to rely on some other exchange or some other you know, centralized entity to approve it. Um, and it's yours and it's private and nobody knows how much you have and nobody knows your address. Um, and, and that's sort of the combination of a private crypto plus a stable coin that maintains your, your value. Yeah, I mean if you go back the long winded to- long winded explanation but that's about as simple
0: as I can make it <laughs> yeah uh, you know, very helpful that and, and actually if you even you know, if you think about kind of if you really go to first principles i mean that is private money and and private wealth exactly in the most pure exactly. in the most pure form it's kind of been delivered technologically so i find yeah I find it extremely powerful extremely fascinating and so you said you can also send you can also send money round as well you can send yep. money to different people so so it's just a, it's kind of a parallel financial system where, where you can store wealth, you can transact uh, with Absolutely. whoever. Um, yeah, it is, it is, it is very powerful. And um, in terms of, so, and you also have other assets, right? That you can, you can peg your wealth to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So right now, and, and we're still in the beginning stages and we're sort of we're relaunching a, a, a newer, better version of the protocol in the next month or so. Um, but right now there are, I think there's uh, 13 other assets. So we have, a bunch of other uh, pri- private Fiats. So, you know, the pound, the Euro, um, and also a couple of commodities, gold and silver, private gold, private silver. And we also have a private synthetic version of Bitcoin, which is something our community had asked for, right? It's essentially a synthetic Bitcoin, but private on a Monero chain. XBTC is, is the ticker. Um, so if you wanted exposure to Bitcoin's price movements, but you wanted it in an entirely private way, um you can do that through Haven, which is a, also a really cool um developer.
0: Well, yeah, and I think, you know, you'd like to think that would be something that will get Bitcoiners, you know, curious about it, you know, to you know, have them appreciate that, you know, you're not trying to yeah. you know, edge them out of the market or anything like that. It kind of kind of shows the the respect that you have for for Bitcoin that you that sure you know, that's that's an option.
1: Um, it, will, it will either get them curious or it will get some maximalists furious either way. I think it, it's something that a lot of people have asked for, right? I mean, there's a reason that people invest in Bitcoin, yeah. certainly because it's something that's attractive from a, you know, how is this going to earn me money as an investment? Um, but that, that comes with the trade-off of not being private. And I think, you know, our, our version of this XBTC of private synthetic Bitcoin is, is just an option that people have if they want exposure to that investment but they want to do it in a way that protects their privacy and their anonymity. I think it's a cool sort of combination of those two um, things that people find really valuable in the space.
0: Yeah. Okay. And this, So there might be some, there's probably some smarter people than me watching who have perhaps some like, let's say they might have some kind of questions that they would around some of the viability of it. So, I mean,
1: yeah, do you, do yeah, have, definitely.
0: Like what are the, What are the main, I mean, so one thing, I mean, I haven't fleshed this out. One thing that's occurred to me is like, does it, it, let's say a bunch of people hold gold. Like does that, given that, you know, the value of a, of a, of a asset tends to, you know, relate to the kind of demand and supply. If you're creating like a synthetic version of an asset, does that kind of screw up the economics? Like, is there, are there any economic kind of uh, liabilities there if that makes sense or if that if that's right. if that's not a potential objection that makes sense like what are the kind of some of the things that you hear from let's say kind of quite financially savvy people um some of the kind sure. of ch- or at least if you feel like you've solved them some of the kind of big challenges around that would be interesting to kind of push back against like yeah what, what you know yeah on yeah. the marginal end of the tr- of the problems which are really tricky for you guys to solve or a kind of liabilities yep. how would you talk about that
1: I think you know, first of all, uh, it should go, you know without saying that this is a new experimental revolutionary idea in our view. We think we've spent the last three years solving a bunch of the basic questions that had to be answered. But there's a lot of questions moving forward about how, how this is going to grow, how it's going to scale, how people are going to use it, sort of the, the consequences of this protocol, this ecosystem growing. And, and being used by an even bigger group of people. Um, but I think there's a couple things. So first of all, the, and, and we like to refer to it as the Haven Rabbit Hole, because really, once you, once you start thinking about this project, about its implications, there's another separate rabbit hole that you're going to go down. And, and we spend a lot of time, way too much time, talking about all this stuff. And thankfully, there's a lot of people in our community that are a lot smarter than me that have come up with some interesting ideas. Um, I think the first part to understand is that all of the, the private assets that are created in the ecosystem are backed by the circulating amount of haven, right? So it doesn't really matter if the price of haven is a dollar or $50 or $1,000. Uh, the assets that are created are based on the real world prices of those assets and are minted or burned based on the market price of haven. And so that, that means that the haven supply fluctuates a lot. And so far it's, it, it deflated and that it inflated and it has gone back and forth. Um, but that's the, that's the idea, right? There is not a fixed um, supply of Haven. There is a market price of Haven that determines uh, the X assets that are created. And so when it comes to, you know, say you, you want to hold private gold um, you're going to be able to, to mint those assets uh, based on how much Haven you bought um and you're going to be able to create those assets based on the real world price of that of that asset whether it's gold or us dollars or the euro um so haven is the asset that backs all of the other stable coins in in the ecosystem i think that's important so for any of those stable coins to be created you have to burn haven to start with which i think is an important thing just to recognize up front um and i think that you know the second thing that that most people probably point to as okay, this could be a weakness. Um, how do you address it? How do you make it stronger in the future is how do you really determine a trusted price of Haven yeah. to enable that conversion to happen? Mm. And that is, you know, a right now in our project is a more centralized um, component. You have to rely on a pricing Oracle. Um, we use, we use Chainlink, which is sort of the, the gold standard right now in, in decentralized finance. Um, but really you are relying on, a, on an external party, a third party to determine the price of Haven, which will, which then impacts how each user is able to get their stable coin. Um, so we we trust Chainlink. I think they're a, they're a trusted project that has done a lot of really impressive things in this space in a, in a decentralized way. But at the end of the day, it's a third party. It's an external party. Um, I think one of our, our long-term goals as a project is to, Find a truly decentralized way to uh, determine the price of an asset without having to rely on any centralized entity. Yeah. Uh, it's a technological problem for, for now, and it, it, in I think the reality is that solution doesn't exist yet. Um, and someday, hopefully, it will, and it will make Haven you know a, a stronger project as a result. But I think that's a that's a point of sort of discussion that's in our community has been for a long time. That's the biggest one. Um, yeah um and that that determines how you can scale the project too right how much people can actually trust it
0: so yeah well obviously i think you know it's that's quite quite a terrifying step for a lot of people to take isn't it kind of saying if you've got significant wealth that you want to keep private kind of just trusting it to an entity and and you know on that obviously decentralization is an important thing that's i've had you know how to look at your roadmap and that's something that you guys are working towards you know when you hit one of the things that you know one of the arguments I found quite interesting, not 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 related to Haven, but kind of when I started digging more into Bitcoin and they're talking about sort of the, the you know, the kind of unique set of circumstances that need to happen for something to become like truly decentralized and truly robust and, you know, what doesn't kill you, makes yep. you stronger and the rest of it. And they talk about how, you know, what a kind of journey and how hard to replicate that is. Do you think that is um, yeah. kind of overhyped? Do you think that is a central challenge? around haven if so what are the kind of determinants is it about having you know in terms of how how you can enable that is it about having a kind of community around it that is committed enough around privacy how how do you kind of view that because that yeah that would seem to be a a essential challenge right because you know there's the whole there's the privacy there's a stable and then naturally the reason that people are interested in the crypto space in general is this whole notion of kind of um rent seeking and single point of failure and and you know kind of um, yeah, kind of small number of people kind of having control of levers and and the rest of it. So that's clearly a critical piece. Um, So yeah, it'd be interesting to hear you speak to that a bit.
1: Yeah, I I don't think the concern about decentralization is is overhyped. I think Bitcoin is an example of, or is the example of how decentralization has has almost been solved over 10 plus years, right? Um, Bitcoin is incredibly decentralized in a way that doesn't create a single point of failure that doesn't have an off switch that doesn't give some centralized entity the control over the network, the chain, the miners, the users. Um, but that, yeah, that took 10 plus years and it's, I I think some people could probably reasonably make the case that Bitcoin hasn't perfected it Mm. and still has some, some room to improve. Um, but I think it'd be really hard to argue that Bitcoin hasn't made significant strides yeah. in becoming truly decentralized, mm. and that's the gold standard. And I think for us, I mean, we're a three-year-old project. We're a, really a two-year-old project because the first year was the, the original development team.
0: And they made it dash, uh, yeah. <laughs> basically,
1: trying and, and failing, right? Um, and we have a I don't know. We have a hundred and fifty million dollar market cap, whatever it is. We're super tiny. Um, compared to, you know, I, I don't know, the Shiba being a, an $18 billion uh, meme coin, right? So there's a big gap between where we are and where a lot of the other bigger crypto projects are. And I think that's part of the goal, right? We want to be a project, a tool, a protocol that exists in 10 years. yeah We want, we want not only to exist in 10 years, but have taken the steps over those 10 years to fully decentralize. And that means, yeah growing from we, we have a really small team of, you know, a dozen people right now um, and, 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 you know, four or five of them being these really incredibly smart developers that have actually built the protocol. We want that to grow and we want the protocol and the network to not be reliant on the team. Um, and we want the network to be something that's much bigger and much, much more distributed um, and much more diverse. And, and I think we're on the path to do that. But we, we're not, that's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to take yeah. some time. And I think we have to set those as sort of principles for how we approach the project moving forward. Because if we want to exist in 10 years, those are the things we have to do. Otherwise, we'll go away at some point, or we'll fail, or one of us will die. I don't know, <laughs> something will happen yeah. that prevents the project from moving forward. So we have to sort of adopt those as, as principles for growth so that we can actually be around in 10 or 20 years.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is you you guys kind of kept going in a decentralized, you had a single point of failure, but the idea was so powerful, right? In terms of early on, right? Exactly, early developers, exactly. And it's kind of an yeah. example. So does that kind of speak to the solution? And to, like, if you have a strong enough, devoted enough people who are really committed to privacy, if you have like, a, if it's, you know, how, you know, how does that come about? How, how do you think Bitcoin has achieved the decentralization? Clearly, there's a lot of very fervent believers in in what in the kind of bitcoin mission is that is is it does it come down yeah to that? i think is that's part bit, of it how yeah is i think there, that's part of it i think, that, think, do that, do that, think
1: that is you know de, you know part of it is de- developing a, a technology in public in a public way right where you can go actually see the code base yourself and if you're a developer that has an idea about how to do it better you can propose it and if the community says yes this makes us stronger they can adopt it right that's uh, that's sort of the the, the, the direction that, that we've taken, right? And the idea is let's bring in anybody that cares about this idea, private stable coin that, that is built on top of Monero and let everybody contribute so that we can be stronger and we can grow. And I think that's an example of what Bitcoin has done really, really well. Completely decentralized with a giant community of really smart people that are always thinking about ways to make it better. Monero does that exceptionally well. Um, and I think if you have have an idea that is strong enough, valuable enough, worth fighting for, which I think Bitcoin, Monero, and Haven all have in common, despite the fact that we're different projects at different stages. Um, You have a shot at reaching that sort of ultimate decentralization that doesn't allow any centralized entity, government person to shut you down. And that's, that's the the long-term goal.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of history is, is kind of the, you know, it's kind of charts, the development of ideas and powerful ideas that people choose to, to kind of put that, you know, develop their life, you know, to devote their life to and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so in terms of, kind of, so looking ahead, so do you view, do you guys kind of view Monero as part of, um, as part of the future? Do you view as part of, like, what's the kind of world that you guys envision? If, if you're kind of even thinking along those lines, do you kind of view a world where Monero is kind of like a, a a private but decentralized currency and when it's kind of like a, you know, it's like a stable ecosystem that kind of sits alongside it. Um, yep. Is that kind of how Yeah, you're, it'd be interesting to kind of, yeah, get a feel for your vision for how, you know, you think I think
1: Bitcoin our, is. you know, our long-term vision is uh, if, if you take a step back and look at the differences between Bitcoin and Monero, right? Bitcoin being the gold standard of how, a blockchain can truly decentralize, you know, the, 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 the ability to control your money and transact, right? Bitcoin changed everything. And Monero as another layer one crypto uh, completely changed the ability to maintain your privacy and anonymity, your financial privacy. Mm. Um, and so if you look at those two as complementary to each other, which I think they are, um, the, the, the thing that solved volatility for Bitcoin is Tether. Yeah. Right. You have a you have a stable coin that you can get on any exchange, essentially in a couple clicks anywhere in the crypto space, and you can convert your Bitcoin into a U.S. dollar stable coin. Um, that is perfectly complementary to Bitcoin. I think there's a ton of problems with Tether, which we could spend a separate hour talking about. Um, but those are the two complements, right? Bitcoin is volatile. It's, it solved all these big problems, but it's volatile. Tether is the stable coin that solved volatility. I think that's what we want to be for Monero. Monero is the gold standard for privacy. I think Monero is going to be around for a very long time because of that reason. I think people, more and more people are waking up to the importance of privacy and using Monero as a result of it. And we want to be the the Tether, a much better, secure, more powerful version of Tether that that is complementary to Monero. Yeah. And, and I think that's sort of our long-term vision. People use Monero because they want to protect their privacy. People will use Haven because they want to maintain um the stable value of their portfolio in a private way uh, and i think they're complementary and that's our that uh, uh, we work hand in hand with the monero community we have a lot of monero developers that have contributed to our project and vice versa um, and we don't view them as, we don't view them as as adversaries we view them as the gold standard that is allowing us to create that stable coin environment on top of it
0: makes sense and something so a couple more questions so for, you know one of the things that i think about a lot with this project because i do i find immediate utility for, for what you guys do and i think it's uh, i i find the community very smart and there's so much to like about what you guys are doing clearly seems to me that um the more let's say obviously you know we've spoken about how there's very genuine honest reasons why people want private money right but gen- generally yep. the the more subversive a a crypto is and a lot of people are talking about what's happening with ethereum and proof of stake and how it's actually just you know it's basically not decentralized and the rest of it like sure hey, yeah, hey, 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 does debate. you know Haven does seem like it you know it truly is potentially subversive to tyrannical um tyrannical governments and the rest of it how does the whole regulatory scenario play out how much of a risk do you yeah. see, do you see that I mean clearly a lot of these Snakes in government—they could definitely use Haven, right? (laughs) So they'll probably for their own purposes. But clearly, from like a public face, from a regulatory regulatory standpoint, and clearly from the perspective of how they want the plebs to act and how they want the plebs to handle their money it clearly seems like something that's right. truly um, subversive and it doesn't have nice, you know, it's not like with a Bitcoin where they could have gone, Oh, we don't like where this is going, but i tell you what, we can do so much surveillance around this. So let's just let them have it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the rest of it. This yeah, is something sure. that doesn't really other than for their own selfish purposes. This doesn't really seem like something that there's any upside to a, a kind of tyrannical, um, government and given the sorts of concerns that you're hearing the central bankers put out and the rest of it how yeah how do you how do you view the regulatory risks
1: yeah i, I think the regulatory risks are always very real and they have they have a there's a heightened risk for a project like monero or haven who's you know our, our primary use case is ensuring that nobody can peek under the hood at your finances um, that obviously presents a real regulatory risk i think there's going to be you know, a, 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 a good amount of coming regulation uh, all over the world in the stablecoin market as well um, as governments figure out how to issue their own versions of stablecoins, which will be entirely centralized, entirely controlled by governments. Uh, you know, the ability to, to freeze and lock and control your money, right? I think it's a horrible idea. But governments are going to try and do that. I think the difference is so there's always going to be a regulatory risk. And I think what that regulatory risk really poses for a project like Haven and our users is really access, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is let, let's shut down access to projects like this. Let's make it harder for Haven or Monero to get listed on an exchange for somebody on a Coinbase or a wherever to actually use it, to, to buy it, to store it. Um, so I think that's where we're really looking, right? How do you, how do we, separate and remove our project and this protocol from the sort of traditional, traditional centralized way of exchanging cryptos. And I think that's where this idea of truly decentralized exchanges is going to be um, a huge factor towards the the growth of projects like, like Haven in the future. And I'll just, one project that I'm really excited about and I'm admittedly biased because I've been looking at it for a really long time and I think really highly of it is ThorChain and ThorChain is this sort of the layer one decentralized exchange where you can swap Bitcoin for Ethereum natively with no exchanges, no middlemen, and nobody controlling how much or how you exchange uh, that transaction. Mm. That is a really powerful idea. And I think to the extent that there is more regulatory risk in this space in traditional centralized exchanges, think that's only going to increase the importance of deploying solutions like decentralized exchanges. So we're really excited about that. We think that's, you know, we don't need to be listed on every centralized exchange. If you can go use a, a tool, a technology like ThorChain and gain access to Monero, gain access to Haven uh, through your Bitcoin or through your Ethereum. I, I think that's really powerful. So we're focused on those kind of ideas. I, there's no way to escape that regulatory risk, but the solution is to build something that is more innovative. That stays ahead of people that are trying to shut down um, uh, solutions like Haven and Monero. And I think DEXs are are a big piece of that in the future.
0: Yeah. So essentially, with something like Thorchain, you can just get. You know, you can take any crypto, and it just gives you an on and off ramp into the Haven ecosystem. It makes sure that you guys aren't just like just you know floating around, kind of completely inaccessible, yep. right? Yeah.
1: It's so- really it's a really incredible tool, and and they're. They've had their fits and starts, but they're probably the leader in sort of how do you enable that? How do you enable to somebody to sort of trustlessly, without a third party, without a middleman, swap one crypto for another, trade yeah. it without um, somebody you know sort of peeking over your shoulder?
0: Yeah, no, it's it's I'm I'm aware of it, you know, Gen uh, kind of broadly because you know Haven because of the close collaboration with Haven. And for anyone who is skeptical about crypto, if you just look at what Monero what Haven and what ThorChain are doing. And you you kind of extrapolate the, the possibilities for truly yes. private freedom yes. money. You know, between- It gives three, me hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like before you write on the crypto space or whatever, like you've got to look exactly. at what the, those projects are doing because it's, it's-
1: Go down that rabbit hole because you'll, I think you'll, so be, you'll be, you'll really like what you see and what people are trying to build. I think it fits into why people got interested in crypto in the first place um for sure at least for me it does
0: in many ways it's yeah the the true spirit of of crypto um and and yeah so final question which kind of kind of builds on that to some degree because you know talking about regulatory risk and not being on centralized exchanges well at some point it's going to get real because you're going to figure out who's actually interested in um haven for the the you know the the kind of the technology and the and the kind of philosophy behind it and who's interested in it because okay this is actually a great um project which is going to go up in value because people like it. Right. And so that, sure. That was sure. certainly, um, that was, I imagine it, you know, who knows what it would look like, but that could well, you know, really hit, you know, hit the value of, of the coin. So I think it would be interesting. Sure. But in, t- in terms of kind of like the, the value of the coin and stuff like that, I mean, clearly if you're a bit, you know, Bitcoin maximalist, or, you, you know, you can, you can see why building privacy around Bitcoin might be less lucrative to that, you know, than building private, you know, building a new coin. Right and there's clearly sure. of speculation yep. in these coins and stuff like that. So why is it that Haven like the Haven token has value? Um, how do you kind of view that cuz if I think about the general crypto space like and why these protocol tokens have value and the rest of it. Um, sure. clearly for like a selfish reason if you're someone who understands it. It's interesting because you can make money. And clearly if Haven succeeds people that in their early you know in their early given how revolutionary it could be, I could make money, but why is it that you guys the team you know what what are the risks that, that poses why is it that you know you guys stand to to get rich from the token or if you do at all why does the token have value how do you think about token value just be interesting to kind of end on sure. that. sure
1: yeah no that's a good discussion and I, I i think you know one of the things is that i mean the, the reason again that haven was created the basic premise you need a private stable coin you need a private tether private USDC. It doesn't exist. It's hard to build. Um, I think, if I mean, my personal thesis, the value proposition is that you have a $120 billion stablecoin market right now where there's $120 billion worth of stablecoins sitting in people's wallets um, and exactly zero of them are private. None of them are private. All of them are entirely public and traceable and th- as people recognize the value of being able to maintain your privacy, which I think is a value proposition in and of itself, whether you're investing in Monero or some other uh, a layer one privacy token, the the value of being able to protect um, your identity, your address, your holdings is very real. And I think when you when you sort of layer on top of that the fact that there's zero privacy in the stablecoin market, I think that's why some people have gotten excited about the the you know the investment of Haven in the future, um, we do think there's value in the future. I think for us as a team, um, not that we don't care about price, but in some ways we don't care about price. We want a protocol to work and if Haven is worth $10 or the market thinks it's worth a hundred or a thousand dollars, we want it to be able to accommodate people that want to go into the ecosystem and convert their Tether, their USDC, their Bitcoin, their Monero into XUSD or XBTC. We want it to work. We want it to be trusted. We want it to be secure. And I think if we do our job, which is build that protocol in, in a secure way, I think the market's going to recognize that there's value in it and eventually Haven will, you know, grow in value as a result. And to be honest, I mean I, I, this is this is the truth. You talk to our the the project leads and the guys that sort of took over from the first development team they didn't get into it for the money. There's plenty of people that have gotten into this project and have made plenty of money and will make more money in the future. But that's, that's the reason I'm still so excited about this project is the people that built it, that developed it, and that are still leading it today got into it because they recognized that there's this giant gap in the market in crypto. And we want to build it and we want it to work and we want people to trust it. Yeah. Uh, if we're able to make, if, if somebody's able to make money off of it as an investment, all the better. We want people to make money. That's great. But the reason that our, you know, our guys got into it. And I think the reason that we've developed a really strong and passionate community is they recognize the gap in crypto right now. And they want that tool to exist. Yeah. And I think you can, you can sort of, you can build that tool, build that protocol, make it trustworthy. And at the same time, make it something that's attractive to sort of the regular crypto investor. Yeah, um, I, we, we want
0: to do both yeah and, and i guess like it it's like i said it already has utility now and so the advantage is like let's say some people with some of these other coins some of these other cryptos they kind of think um, um they, a lot of the, they might think where it's going might have value like a lot of people think DeFi has value you know it could be yes, powerful, right. but really they're using it more as like a game and the rest of it and so sure uh, you, you you wonder how well they'll survive um you know in the face of like a decline in the price when there's no speculative value thing i guess the thing about haven is like you might even forgetting even forgetting um the speculative value like if you like today you want to store you want to store money you want to store wealth privately today you can get value and so that will immediately give it give it legs and so it it, i guess in in many ways it will come down to just like how much do people really care um yeah and and and, and, and i guess in terms of the viability like incentivizing the the team right and, and having the right people around it so is that do you yep. is is that how you got is that your guys philosophy behind like token value like how do you because yep. um, its something i haven't fully grasped in, in the space at all but is that why these tokens accrue value like is that are they designed specifically to accrue value for the to incentivize the developers um how yeah is that how, how do you kind of Think about that and how is like how are developers incentivized how can yeah we no that's that's a, sure? that's a so good question really, we, we've yeah yeah you need to get we really people together right yeah to build it we've
1: struggled to... with that to be honest yeah. it, it it's been a challenge for us because in reality i mean haven is haven is different it's a, it's a proof of work coin right it is the network is secured by you know miners as as is monero as is bitcoin um and uh, for the for the last three years the only thing that the developers have received is a five percent development fee on every block that every miner finds, um, and and for I would say the better part of seventy five percent of the, the the length of our project, that five percent has been like I don't know a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, now it's probably it's you know it's several thousand dollars a month or slightly more than that, depending on on the price. Um, but that's not enough to sustain somebody that's like, you know, a a really smart developer of which we have a few that have given up careers in other places because they care about the idea and they care about the project, they care about doing it. Um, So, you know, we don't have a system that uh, rewards our developers. They get, they're now getting paid in a salary, which is great. We're able to actually pay them, um, which we weren't really able to do in the past um, since the project has grown a little bit. Um, But we struggle with that idea because we want more people to be interested in building Haven with us, we want to incentivize them. So we're thinking about how to handle governance and how to handle, um, you know, that sort of incentivizing. We, we the, this last summer, we, um, we, we went through a pretty sophisticated attack on the network. We've solved it. We've built a stronger protocol that we're deploying pretty soon. That could be a whole separate podcast. But one of the things that came out of that was we want to provide the same sort of, sort of high level bounty programs. That a lot of crypto projects do. So we've got, you know, a hundred grand out there. If you find a flaw in the protocol and you're a really smart developer and you care about the project and you want to bring it to us, you can get paid up to a hundred grand to find that. Um, and so we want to build out ideas like that, that incentivize people to, to build with us and not tear down. Right. Um, and I think that's possible, but it's not easy.
0: Yeah. I guess ultimately where there's a will, there's a way. And i think if there's ever going to be a will for privacy given if you look at the macro landscape for where things are going um you know it's, it's gonna if it doesn't come now it's never gonna come so um yeah i'm sure i'm sure um you know people will find a way if there's um if the, if the idea is powerful enough um so, yeah i hope so so makes sense so all right well to, to wrap up do you kind of want to tell people where they can i guess where they can find more information about crypt- about not about crypto, about Haven, about what sure. they're just starting out what you what you think a good like dipping their turn would be and and perhaps kind of what they can expect from you guys in the coming um, in the coming weeks and months.
1: Sure. Yeah. So the the website is it's havenprotocol.org. Um that's the best place to start. We have a really good sort of FAQ knowledge base for people that um, you know are first timers that ha- that answer a lot of basic questions about the nuts and bolts of how the protocol works. That's a great place to start. Um, if you're a little you know, more sophisticated in, in the crypto space and you want to jump into our Discord, we've got 8,000-ish members in our Discord. It's really active. We get into all these sort of debates, theoretical debates about future of the protocol, the economic incentives, um, the technological challenges and everything. Uh, link to that on our website, come join us. We're talking every day about all this stuff. Um, the, the Twitter handle is, is Haven XHB, which is sort of keeps you up to date on what's happening with the project. Um, we are going to be launching in the next few weeks, sort of, uh, what we're calling Haven 2.0, which is this next, uh, stronger version of, of the protocol that addresses a lot of the things that were lacking when, when, uh, when we were attacked this summer. Um, but we're excited about it. It's been audited by some of the, some of the brightest minds in the Monero community, which we've been thankful to be able to work with. Um, as they help sort of figure out how to make this bulletproof in the future. Um, so those are the best places to go. I think uh, we're, you know, we're always looking for people who care about the space, care about privacy to help us uh, whether you're a developer, whether you're somebody that uh, is just new and has some good ideas about um, what the project should be doing. We we have a really open and welcoming community and we want everybody to get involved. So yeah, um, we're, we're just looking to get people engaged and interested in it right now.
0: Awesome. Nice one. Yeah. And, you know, for my own part, I would just say like, if you are, you know, if you are concerned about surveillance, you are concerned about money being corrupted, you are concerned about privacy regardless of what you think about Haven, regardless of what you think about crypto, like this is, you know, this is where a bunch of very serious, smart people are trying to solve the problem. So it's where people need to be congregating. It's the kind of people that you need to be talking to. So I think it's like, it's essential that people, yeah people open up these conversations and people start really you know kind of really um being open-minded and yeah like we need this with you know we're one of those points where you need to kind of find people who are genuinely genuine doers who are who who kind of driven by the same things that you are and so i think i think it's just i think it's really important that people do um you know people do take a look people critique it people if they they like it yeah part in it if they hate it tell them why, because I think yeah, exactly. everyone, everyone is here for something that's much bigger than the, the kind of noise that's kind of puts a lot of people off, off crypto and a lot of the kind of, yeah, it's a conversation. Is. Yeah. It's a conversation worth having. And I think yeah. we have, that's one of
1: the reasons that the art, at least our community has grown so much is we, we want to have this conversation. We want to build something that is stands the test of time as a, as a real, you know, privacy enabling tool. Uh, and, and we want, everybody have the opportunity to you know build along with us. So
0: Perfect. Well, A-Hawk, thank you very much for coming on. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, That's thank you. I, I enjoyed it too. Appreciate it. All right, nice one. Goodbye. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to that. If you enjoyed the way that I think about these issues, then you might enjoy Pith Weekly. So Pith Weekly is my blog, which I email out every Saturday morning. Uh, somewhere where I share my latest thinking on metapolitics. And I also share some highlights of what I read. I'm always digging through some really critical texts uh, in the area. Um, and it's, it's something which is um, the center point for what I'm doing. Uh, you know, the reality is we don't really know what's going to happen and what platforms people are going to be kicked off of over the next few months, whether YouTube, Twitter, whether Gab's going to take off. But that will always be there my email will always be there i'll always be sending my my best thoughts out and my best learnings out every saturday morning so i really hope some of you subscribe you can find the link in the description um, and it'd be great to to have you as part of my community as a node in my network um, so thanks again